Yo, this is Pastor Tito, and welcome to another episode of the Revolutionary Podcast. in the entire book of Acts, and it's one that you have to, not that you have to be cautious of because there's so many cool things that happen that you don't want to miss out this other thing. And the thing that you can miss out on is all of the difficulties that happens because it's called the book of Acts for a reason. So it is really focusing on the acts of the apostles. What did the those 12 people that Jesus commissioned to say, now go into all the world to the ends of the earth, right? That's the title of the sermon series all year. So go and tell everybody what you've seen. Go and tell everybody what, what I've done, what you've heard, and what I've done in, you know, done in your life. So go tell them. And so the whole book is focusing on the acts of the 12. But not only the acts of the 12, but, but even the reactions, the actions of those that they've impacted. So we've seen a lot of other sub-characters that God has used. And, um, and it's really the acts of the Holy Spirit. It's the acts of God through the acts of the church. But they're not the only ones doing stuff. We've also seen the acts of the enemy. Right? We've seen what the devil and demons tried to do in the same way they tried to kill baby Jesus. So if you know the story, baby Jesus, they were trying to kill him. King Herod was trying to kill him from, from uh, you know, day one and couldn't kill him. Right? They tried to kill Jesus multiple times in his life, couldn't kill him. They finally killed him and it didn't work. It just reversed itself. And, and the enemy still didn't learn its lesson. And so they've been since that day, 2,000 years, the enemy has been trying to kill the church and yet Christ remains undefeated. All right? Can't stop it. And that's one of the things that, that the, the difficulties that the church went through is an important one, guys, that honestly, I, it's really marked me over this last year because difficulties are a part of life. And, and if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you know that there's difficulties that are involved in that as well. And so how amazing is it to see God do what he did despite the difficulties around the church and the difficulties in their own hearts. Sometimes they didn't understand things right away. Sometimes they were stubborn and this, and they didn't get everything right. And so super cool to see those things and seeing people persevere through difficulties. And in fact, there's going to be one, one instance that you're going to see an action take place that, uh, you know, we're going to, it's going to be a little bit involved in the application. And it was it was interesting, let me rephrase that statement. It was interesting to see how the Holy Spirit empowered the church to shake off all of the difficulties and do what God called them to do. Now, guys, we all know that there's certain things that are easier to shake off than others, right? So uh, you stub your toe, for example, on a, you know, on a morning, right? That's, that one's one that, you, you know, you got to shake that one off for a minute. Now, you know, I, I swear, I, in my opinion, I've broken my pinky toe like 10, 15 times. And I swear that the, the next one is, oh, there it is. It had to have happened. And, okay, it's still dangling. It's still okay. You know, like there's some pain that you can shake off. I don't know if you've, anybody's ever played sports and you just got lit up one time, right? And you had to shake that one off, you know? I'm one that I don't know why... <sighs> I'm, I'm the guys that walk into door jams. Anybody do that? Like when you're just walking too fast and you just kind of cut through the door and hit a door. I'm the only one. Okay, thank you. All right, you and I, bro. And so like saying it's that, that, that you got to shake that one off sometimes. That one hurts when you just go through the door a little too quick. Um, and I remember, you know, one time when I was a senior in high school, we played soccer, you know, all love to the USA team. Couldn't make it, but hey, round of 16, proud of those guys. Um, the non Soccer fans could care less. But anyways, um, all, 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 all love on there. But I remember my senior year, I had shin splints. I don't know if you've ever had shin splints before, but I don't, I don't pray that on anybody. Shin splints are excruciating. And they, they really, it's like this shooting pain that goes up the front of your legs when you walk. And I had to run. And so, and this was my senior year. I was one of the captains on the team. I, I wanted to play. So I had to play through shin sprints um, every game. It was excruciating. And our last game, we played the, the, the powerhouse team. 
Tampa Prep. Tampa Prep used to always hand us uh, a 10-0 victory, you know, 8-1. I mean, it, it, that's like the equivalent of just getting blown out 85-0 to zero in football. I mean, it was just bad. And we would always get whooped, in our, and, and we had to play them in the playoffs, and we gave them a game. I mean, literally, like, we, they, they had to earn that one. I mean, we won like two. No, they won 2-1, but it felt like we won, and they were frustrated with themselves. And so I just remember, man, collapsing literally in the bus. You know, one, it was like emotional senior year, my last game, we lost. Oh, my God, you know. And so that was that. And then just my legs were on fire. I wanted to cut them off at the kneecaps. Like, it was bad. And so I was just screaming. So there's some things that are, you know, we can shake off, some things that we can't. Um, and there's some that are really just impossible, right? I mean, there's that, uh, that diagnosis, like when you're sick, you just can't just shake can't just shake off cancer, right? You just can't shake off an injury. That's, that's you know, you can't shake off uh, old age, right? It's just your body don't react the same way it does anymore. You can't, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Pat. You can't, you can't shake that off, right? It's just, it is what it is. You know, you can't shake that off. You can't shake that loss, right? When you experience loss of, uh, you know, death of, of, of a relationship, death of someone else, that one's, that one's impossible, really hard, right, to shake off. Maybe guilt, that one's a big one, right? Guilt from an experience that you had, shame. Somebody did something to you or you did something that it's hard to live with. It's hard to shake that one off. And the reason why it's hard, guys, is because you can't. There's a certain things that you and I do not have the ability to do. And this is why we need to always look to God for help. Again, like the, like the verse that I opened up with in Psalms 40, happy are those who trust in God because he is the only one that can do that work. And even empower us to be able to work through those things. And so, as I've preached throughout the whole book of Acts, guys, one, uh, the one thing that's been amazing, and we're going to see it today as we're wrapping things up, is just, I'm just so amazed at how God repurposes pain and difficulties to do His will. That's just one of the coolest things that I've seen. How God repurposes pain. Have you guys ever heard the statement that sometimes things happen for a reason? And, so, and the reason is not because God meant, hey, you know what would be really good? I want this really bad thing to happen to you, so now you can have a testimony, right? Like, it was my will for you to be addicted to drugs so that you could turn around and God can use it. No, again, that was, God has never willed something horrible, you know, for you to be involved in those things. But what's amazing is that God can take the things that didn't go according to plan and repurpose it and make it a part of it now. Now, he don't miss. Like, literally, God don't miss. And so we're going to see something in the same thing. We're, we're really only focusing on Paul. As we're wrapping up the end of the book, it's, it's shocking and amazing in how we're not looking at the global church, but the way the book of Acts finishes is just on one guy. And we're just seeing what God has done and is doing in the one, in essence, to, like, give us a model of what he can do through anyone that puts their trust in Jesus like Paul did. And so we're going to read Acts chapter 28, only 10 little verses, um, but just to give a, a, a quick little synopsis, even a recap here. So uh, the church has just been exploding for decades now, all right? The book of Acts has covered is literally the documentary of the growth of the church that spans uh, two to three decades. And so as it's going through, again, despite all the difficulties, despite this, despite that, we see and we get to this individual named Paul and is one of the biggest transformations ever. And so there's a reason why uh, God chose this individual as a model and why we focus on him so much. And so he goes and, and eventually after living and God using him for like about 15 years now, almost 20 some years, and using him to do great revival all throughout the known world, we see him being unrighteously accused of something false. They tried, his enemies tried to kill him. And then he was un, unjustly imprisoned for two years. And then now we're, this is what we've been talking about. And then he, he experiences an unfortunate shipwreck. And so this is what the, the sermon from last week, as he's trying to live out God's purpose for his life. So what we're going to read today is what happened at the end of the shipwreck. All right. So as they are washing up to shore, what happened next? And so let's go ahead and read that. Acts chapter 28, 10 little verses online. Hang in with me. I'll read it to you. Uh, if it's going to be on screen, it's actually a different version, but you guys are all right. You guys can handle it. So let's read it together. Acts, champ, Acts chapter 28, verses 1 and 10. So one safely ashore, they swam for their lives in the middle of this ridiculous storm. We learned that the island was called Malta. The local people showed us extraordinary kindness. 
they lit a fire and took us all in, since it was raining and cold. Again, horrible circumstances here. As Paul gathered a bundle of brushwood and put it into the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened itself onto his hand. When the local people saw the snake hanging from his hands, they said to one another, Oh, this man, no doubt, is a murderer. Even though he has escaped the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. But he shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no harm. They expected that he would begin to swell up and suddenly drop dead. After they waited a long time and saw nothing, unusual happened to him. They changed their minds and said, he must be a god. Now in the area around the place was an estate belonging to the leading man of the island named Publius, who welcomed us and entertained us hospitably for three days. Publius's father was in bed suffering from fever and dysentery. Paul went to him, praying and laying his hands on him. He healed him. And after this, the rest of those on the island who had diseases also came and were healed. So they heaped many honors on us, and we sailed. And they, as we sailed, they gave us what we needed. All right. So there's a lot of really cool things on there. First off, for those of you, when you heard the word dysentery and you immediately thought of Oregon Trail, you're my people, all right? You're my people. Some of you don't get it, but it's okay. All right, that's 80s kids right there, all right? DOS, floppy disks, all right? You got it. Oh, man, I love that life. All right, that was a good day at school when we got to play Oregon Trail. Anyways, and so look at this, guys. This is almost like one of those situations when it gets, where you see things go from bad to worse, right? And, and it's almost like Paul can't catch a break, right? I mean, dude, literally, we talked about this last week. This was a violent storm that they were in. And everybody on the ship, minus Paul, they really thought they were going to die. You know, they thought they were goners. And here they are, they survive this shipwreck, right? And it can't get any worse than this, right? It's the worst is behind us. And out of nowhere, flank, you know, there's a, now a, a poisonous snake hanging on Paul's life, um, hanging on his hand. I don't know if, you know, for some of you, I know I've, I've been this way before. Um, there's a catchphrase that um, I, one time me, me and Alicia used to use all the time. And we've stopped because we realized, yo, we're kind of like, this is negative talk, but we shouldn't be saying this. Where, um, what was the love? We used to always say, oh, here it is, story of my life, all right? It was kind of like one of those things when things are working, working, and it doesn't. And the story of my life, here we are again, right? And so, uh, you know, obviously that shouldn't be our story, and so we've had to repent of that. But um, I think we've all been there before, right? When you just get frustrated and when you're like, man, Ken, just, I, I just need a break. Look, even today, I, like, I was joking with the ushers in the lobby. I was like, yo, I can't go on vacation for a week and something not break in this room. Come on. And I was like, this is why we're live streaming on a phone versus the computer. Like, I can't catch a week, yo. Like, what is this? And so, it's, um, you know, we all have those experiences. We all know what that's like. Um, but notice it went from bad to worse and then to better, right? And, uh, and if you know, which we'll zoom out a little bit later, um, things, you know, have that rhythm to it, right? For Paul, even though things got better, eventually it is, there's going to be some more negative things. In fact, it ends with his own death in Rome. But Oh, it ends so much better at the end of that. Um, but anyways, we see some of those things, right? What, what do we see here? First off, he gets off the ship. Dude's exhausted. Hasn't eaten in two weeks minus one meal, because this is what we talked about last week. He had to swim for his life in a heavy storm. I don't know if you've ever had to swim in the ocean when the waves were heavy, but it is exhausting, all right? It is exhausting. And so here he is soaking wet, tired, hungry, malnourished, and he's out there, right? And they're all just trying to survive and just kind of recoup, and then out of nowhere, dude gets bitten. And they had that statement. I, I, I loved, I wish I could have seen even their faces. You know, did you see how they were just all waiting for something to happen? Could you imagine they're all just like, you know, talking and then just the whole time just like, is it now? Is it now? Is it Hey, you know, he just sneezed. Oh, what's happening? Yeah, you know, I was like, I don't know. Like, I just would have loved to have seen their faces just awkwardly like looking over at Paul and just like, any minute now, any minute, any minute. Um, and so, there was a statement that they said, did you guys catch it? And it was a capital J if you, if you were reading it. It says, justice would not allow this man to live. Capital J. 
That was the name of the goddess justice that these, this region group were talking about. So in essence, they, you know, last week we talked about that this culture, these people, they really believed that the, you know, the, the gods were in all these things. And, and even the, the, the gods were in the, especially um, out at sea and the storms and this, this is just the manifestations of the gods. And so they, they believed in their, in their stories and all this stuff in their culture that if you survived a storm at sea, then you were a righteous person. And so in this case, when they said, wow, this guy survived the storm at sea and boom, got bitten by a venomous snake. They're like, man, now nah, this guy must be bad. This guy must be really bad because justice ain't going to let her. She's not going to let him slip through the cracks. All right. And so interesting enough that justice would not allow him to live. But in reality, it was justice that actually allowed Paul to live. You know, Jesus died on the cross. And because he died on the cross, perfect justice was executed on the cross for us. Because you and I are the guilty sinners. You and I are the ones that if we got what we deserved, it wouldn't be pretty. And yet, because of what Jesus did on the cross, perfect justice was executed so that we could walk and live. And so it is because of justice that we, the, God, the justice of God on the cross that you and I can live. It's the reason why he lived. And so this was a, a venomous situation. It was a miracle, guys. Let's just be honest. Some people argue, like saying, well, in Malta today, there are no venomous snakes. They're not indigenous to the island. That's true. But just because there's none now doesn't mean there wasn't any 2,000 years ago because we've already seen enough that Luke is considered one of the greatest historians in the world, in ancient, one of the greatest ancient historians. So there's nothing for us to believe that this wasn't real. And so what was he? He got bitten and then was mistaken, right? Then they thought the gods are judging him and they were like, oh, he must be a God. And then now, it, you know, he's having to like, you know, maneuver that and trying to help other people understand that. They thought he was a lower G God, right? But then he's trying to help them and point them to the capital G God. And then that last one was they honored him, right? Because of what they did. There was the, the healing of that dude, right? And then the healing of the whole island. And so they are giving all of these honors, which could have been, you know, like praise and thank yous. It could have been financial as well. Because at the end, he said what? We had everything that we needed for the journey. Now, if you and I would look at something like this as a detour, right? This, he was supposed to go to Rome, and it has been, an, we would think, an unnecessary detour. But one of the things about Jesus, guys, that when you read the story of Jesus, when Jesus was heading to the cross, Jesus always took a detour into this town, into that town, sometimes just to talk to one person, sometimes just for the one person to come to faith in Christ, and he would move on to the next and move on to the next. And that says a lot about Jesus in the sense of that each and every one of us matter, that Jesus went out of his way in order to reach even the one and so that says a lot about who he is and how he views us and what God has done. He has, gone, he has gone out of his way to make the only way for us to be saved. And that should say, and we should model the same thing. In that sometimes, guys, I wonder how many opportunities we've missed because we are thinking our life is going into unexpected turns and twists. And we're so upset about the journey that we're missing opportunities just for the one. And even maybe just missing an opportunity to plant a seed or water one or even for God to use us to have a reap a harvest. And so this is an important thing here. As we look at Paul, guys, this honestly, as, and I'm talking to Christians now, this should be our perspective. Because despite the detours, despite the problems, man, Paul was always focused. Like the Holy Spirit helped him. And he could help us the same thing. He remained focused on these things. No matter everything was falling around him. And dude was able to remain focused. And there's three things that, that we see here that should be marked in the life of every believer. Ready? Three things. First one we saw was he had servant, uh, a servant's heart. Right? You caught that at the beginning. What was he doing? He just washed up to shore. And what is he doing? Gathering up wood in order to build a fire to help other people warm up. 
right? I mean, who knows how many people on the ship were sick? They had been, there was 247 people when we read chapter 27. And they had, no one had eaten for two weeks except the one meal right before they went on that epic swim. You know, I had to do, I couldn't imagine doing that because I remember one time my dad, uh, last week I had a boat story. This is my embarrassing boat story. And so um, my dad had a boat and we parked right out on this pier and we wanted to visit a friend, but we couldn't go any further because of, you know, different stuff and regulations. And so my dad was like saying, let's just swim it. And this is one of those long piers. If you know Florida, right, this, this, is, this is a, it's pretty big one. And so I'm like, all right, I, I guess, but I'm a chicken. I'm, I ain't gonna lie. I'm a chicken. It, it, it takes me a lot just to kill a cockroach. All right. I'm a chicken. And so I'm thinking I'm about to swim in open water. They're sharks. You know, like I know I don't see them, but I bet they see me. I don't like that. You know, I don't like that. And so I was nervous. Could I do it? I don't know. And then out of nowhere, my dad is at the, at the foot of the boat. I'm at the back. My brother's at the back as well. And another friend, he's at the front with my dad. And as I'm processing all these things, all I hear is, and there goes my dad. And my dad just dove in and running. And then my friend right after him. And then I'm like, I just knew if I don't go now, I'm, I've seen, you know, National Geographic. The ones at the back are the ones that die. You know, I've seen it. The stragglers at the end are the ones that die. So there was something in me that said, no, I tried to catch up. So I, I ran the 10, the 10 feet or whatever, and I jumped. And like a cartoon, I, I'm an idiot, like a cartoon, I'm swimming in midair thinking if I swim hard enough, when I land, you know, like that's in my head. That's what I'm thinking. I'm dumb. I'm so, that's your pastor, guys. And so, anyways, and so, uh, and so that swim, I was, I tried halfway through, I had to stop, and I, and I started floating, and I'm like, I need to break, Lord Jesus, I need your help. And because I, at, right now, I'm, I'm, they're gone, I, yeah, that's the situation. That was a hard swim. So I couldn't imagine this with the big waves and the, this and the storm that is happening in the middle of this, this pretty much mini hurricane that is over them. And so what do we see him doing? He gets up and you know Paul is tired. These guys hardly have eaten, hardly have slept. And what is he doing? But gathering wood, gathering wood to help the others warm up. He had a servant's heart. Why? He was willing to serve because of the, what Jesus did to his heart. Jesus himself said, I came to the world not to be served, but to serve. And how did, Paul, how did Jesus serve Paul? By forgiving, of him sin, by forgiving him of his sins, by continually being faithful over, dec- over almost two decades of his life. Faithful, faithful. Jesus serving him. And how could, how could Paul not serve others in the same way and model that? And guys, I want you to know that being a servant is the highest rank in the kingdom of God. There is no greater position in the kingdom of God than that of a servant. That's the one Jesus took, and he's the king of kings, and he served. And so the same thing, guys, as as Christians, let me talk to you, service should not be beneath you. I don't care what the job is. Service should not be beneath you, because if service is beneath you, then everything else is above you. You didn't like that, and it's okay, but you got to linger on that one. If service is beneath you, then doing anything else is above you, meaning you ain't ready for that. That's not for you. That's not for you because there is nothing greater than serving. And so we see that servant's heart in him. But then you know what else we saw? We see a confident mind. We see a confident head, all right? Where's his thoughts? Where's his, I mean, dude got bitten by a poisonous snake. And if it was me, well, first off, it was you know, if it was some of you, I know we, we don't got a lot of snake fans in the house, all right? And so if it was you, I don't know what you would do, you know? Like, I, I've had snakes pop up, and I ain't gonna lie, first 10 seconds, I'm glad it wasn't, I'm glad it's not on YouTube, okay? I'm glad my initial reactions were not on YouTube. But eventually, I, 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 I dealt with it, all right? I was able to deal with it. But just the initial, the initial shock was a little too much, all right? But anyways, the him, we don't see him freak out. He's not panicking. He's like, oh my God, help me, Jesus. You know, we, he just, boom, ah, gotta be kidding. Shakes it off and goes back to work. And so where was this confidence? We don't see Luke saying he went and prayed. Oh, Lord God, I need your help, please. We don't see him do anything. He's not panicking again. You know, he was on the ship and the only one that did not lose his head was who? Paul. Because of who and where he had his confidence in. Because the, when the angel came and told him, um, Paul, I know this storm looks bad, but it is necessary for you to go to Rome, meaning this isn't your end. 
And so Paul says, if God says this is not my end, then I don't care how bad it looks. This is not the end for me. No fear in his heart. And so he knew, snake, venomous, okay, you know what? I know it's necessary for me to go to Rome. So yeah, I'm not dying, not today. This is not how I'm going out. This is not how I'm going out. I know it because what? God told me. He spoke, he showed. There was a prophetic word that anchored his heart. And it was rooted in his nature because he said when he told everybody else on the ship, like saying, the God that I served told me this. And so I trust in who he is. It's his nature. And so guys, look, you and I do not need an angel to show up in two seconds to be able to give you a supernatural word and a prophetic word to give you an anchor. Because you know what angels also kind of represent? Angels is really this root word that just means messenger. You got one right here, giving you a prophetic word, and this is enough. Now, can God give you a more a different one? Uh, we're open for that. But this is a prophetic word that you and I have, that if we trust in the nature and character of who he is, he will make the difference in our lives. And he can give us that hope that anchors us, that confidence that despite any craziness, any difficulties. And so he was able to shake it off because he had put his trust on God's word. He had put his trust on God. All right, and that's the title of the message is just on God. I was like, that's the one. He was able to put his trust on God. That's why he was able to shake that off and move on and keep going. And so not only do we see the servant's heart, we see a confident head, but at the end, what do we see? We saw healing hands, didn't we? Healing hands. The same, ironically, the same hands that got bit and had, you know, that venom tried to be injected in these hands is the same hands that we see put on a sick person. He was the one that was supposed to be sick and dying. But what do we see? Those same snake-bitten hands God used to bring healing to a sick person and throughout the whole island. And what I love about that as well is, like, again, you just see, look at the transition there from the heart to the head to the hands. And that is how it always works, guys. God always works from the inside out. It's always the affections. It is always, how do you feel? I've heard it always said that, um, that the, your first initial thought that comes to mind about God is the most important thing about you. What you think and feel about God is the most important thing about you. Because I said this last week, right? How you feel text, tends to be how you live out your faith. And so your feelings and your affections towards God will always lead into actions. You can't do it the other way. Sometimes I know it, I've seen it, and I've, I've done it too. So let me save you a headache. If you try to do all of the actions without affections, you can get into a bunch of legalism and a bunch of other nonsense. You're just going to waste your time. You're just going to be frustrated. And then sadly enough, you could blame God because you're doing religious actions without true religious affections and then you blame God because it's not working. It don't work that way. It doesn't work that way. All right? It does not work that way. And so what you need to be able to do is that. So what we see here, and this is why, guys, I always try to highlight and show you, you look at him. Look at God. The why, did, why do we see all of these actions happening in Paul's life? Because his heart was forever captive ever since he stood before Jesus. And when he said, why have you been persecuting me? Where at that moment, Jesus could have executed perfect justice on Paul. And instead, he gave him mercy. And that is us. That is us. When we stand before Christ condemned, and we know, we know, there's just something about us that we know we don't deserve it. We don't deserve it, but yet here he is saying, but I still love you, and I can forgive you. So get up, and let's get to work, buddy. Let's get up. There's just something that should, should happen in your heart. And so we see, this is the, the amazing things, guys, that look, you and I, this, we should see the same thing in us. If we want to see God use our hands to bring healing to people's lives, healing to their minds, healing to the nation, healing to people's hearts, if we want to see God use us in those ways, it doesn't start with a hand, it starts with the heart. Does he have your heart? And, you, and by the way, in, in, the, in scriptures, the heart and the head are, are not two separate things. Your heart and head are not two things. They're the same. They are the same thing. Except where the, the, the head is what you, what you think, what you know. The heart is what do you believe. 
See, it's one thing to say, I know Jesus. It's another thing to say, I believe. Two different things. Now, they're both the same, though. They're both the same, but you want to make sure that when the knowledge of that enters into the heart, then the heart impacts the mind, which then impacts your life. That is the sequence, and it changes everything. Once God has your affections, once you understand that you are loved unconditionally by God, you find an extra love and patience and kindness for your marriage, for your kids, for your fill-in-the-blank, especially the difficult people, all right? You find all that you need. Your actions reflect it when Christ has your heart and when you know that you are loved beyond measure and he proved it by dying on the cross for you. So we see all of these things, and guys, I see that for, I want to see that in my life, that sequence. I want to see it in my kids' lives. I want to see it in your life. But I know we're seeing what we see, but now I want to bring you into what we don't see. When we just looked at these last 10 verses, what didn't we see? Because here's the thing that, that Luke, interesting, the way he writes this, is very interesting, that it's very vague. He kind of is really you know, scooting through a lot of stuff. It's just like a good movie, right? I'm telling you guys, the book of Acts is an ultimate ancient documentary. And so like a good movie, right? At the very end of the climax, right? That moment when, you know, the, the, the guy gets the girl, right? The moment when the, the bad guy is defeated. The moment when all, seem, all seemed um, hopeless. Boom, there's a resolution. Oh, okay. It's, it's, it's ending in a positive. It's ending in a light. There's still about 10 minutes left of the movie, Correct rough, give or take. And normally it's just kind of winding down, right? To an ultimate conclusion, right? And so every good story, like every good song has this build, arch, 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 climax and quick resolution. And that's what we're seeing here because there's a few things that Luke is not including that he did before. And it'd be interesting, you know, like the viper just bites him. Uh, Was it the devil? Is it spiritual? Was it nothing? It just looked natural. So whatever, guy got bit, move on, he didn't die. Next, all right? And then he gets mistaken by a God. But this happens before, where where God is using him in a supernatural way, and they think, yo, Paul, he must be a God. And he says, no, no, I'm not a God. And Luke talks about how he tried to tell him about the one true God. Here we don't see that. It's kind of vague. But again, why repeat it? We've already read it, and it, it gives us a sense of, you know, Paul, we already know how Paul would have reacted to something like this. And then the other thing that this one got me, the vagueness of what Luke would choose in every word. Guys, listen, I'm telling you, the reason why we call this God's word, and yo, every word matters, and it's important. There's, there's, there's jewels under every rock. And so, did you guys catch in English, well, the way we read it, Paul puts his hands on this one dude, and what happened, guys? Type it online, and you say it out loud. What happened? He, what? He put his hands on him, and the person was healed. And then it said that all people that were in the island that were sick, they came to, to them, and they were healed. English, it's the same word. But Luke uses two different words. The first word was this radical healing, instant, miraculous. But the other word that he uses that when everybody comes together to be healed, he uses this Greek word that we get the same word, um, therapy from. Like, in essence, it was like, it was vague. Like, wait a minute, was it supernatural healing? Because um, some of you, you don't know, if, if you've been with me for a little bit, you know, Luke, the author, is a doctor. He's a physician. So notice he says, they gave us honors. So Luke is very vague. Wait a minute, God, did, did God use you, Luke, to supernaturally heal people? Or is Paul healing some supernaturally, and you are, are treating everybody medically? physically. We don't know. Now, why use that word and not, why not use the same word if it was? Guys, you understand. I was, there was people that fight over this verse because they were like, no, no, it is. And it was supernatural. And they're like, no, no, it's not. I mean, it is, it is heavy. But then to me, I'm asking a different question. Okay, but why use a different word? Instead of, they're trying to figure out the what instead of just why. Why the vagueness? And when we look at the rest of this chapter, there's a lot of vagueness here. Again, it feels like a story is winding down. Why leave things so vague? Unless that's what God wants. Because the point is, and we almost see that like Luke, inspired by the Holy Spirit, to not emphasize all these little details, but it said, look, that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if they were healed supernaturally or whatnot. Hey, praise God for medicine and praise God for doctors, right? Those are good things. 
But that's not the focus. So don't focus on that. Don't focus on this. It almost, it, it, we just see this ultimate thing of, again, another sign of the power and the providence of God despite problems. It's like this is what we need to focus on. Look at God. He got bit, didn't matter. God still healed. This, you know, he, here's, you know, people, be, you know, being healed. God hasn't used Paul like this in years. And so because he was been in prison. And so here we see this one last little moment. And at the very end, how fitting, the very end of the book of Acts, in just these few verses, Paul is dealing with non-believers and believers, Jews and non-Jews. The, every subject in the book of Acts, Paul is interacting with all of them at the very end here. And so we just see that, look, the focus ought to be, look at the power and the providence of God. And guys, honestly, that right there is nothing but a summary of the whole book of Acts, which is meant to be an encouragement to us in the sense of, guys, look, that no demonic influence or random occurrence can cancel out God's, prom- can cancel out God's promises or detour his plan. Remember what I was talking about, that our affections, like, see, so many times our affections are all over the place because our eyes are not on where they need to be. Some of you know the story, some of you don't. I'm going to help you with this. One time Jesus was walking on water in the midst of a crazy storm, and Peter sees him out there and says, if that's you, can I go outside? And he does. And so now the scripture says Peter is walking on water, but there was a key detail. The second Peter did what? Scripture says when he took his eyes off of Jesus. And now he looked at the waves and he looked at the storm and he looked at the lightning and he looked at this and he looked at the wind. Fear gripped his heart because he took his eyes off of the anchor and he began to sink, right? And once he called out back to Jesus, there it was. And so guys, this is why like I, I want us to, again, just look, look at God, look at all of the things that are happening and how God despair. Despite all of the problems, despite all the things happening in Paul's life, man, God, his plan continues to chug along without an issue. Literally, I mean, keeps going. And that should give us, when we look to this God, the hope and the encouragement that you and I need to endure to say that it doesn't matter what it looks like on the outside, man, God is above it all. That is where my trust is. I don't trust in my circumstances. I trust in a Savior that is over my circumstances. This is the God that invites us to say, follow me. This is the God that says, trust me. Trust in me. And when we see these things, we can see, again, the same God that was faithful to Paul. He says, he could be faithful to us. And so I I got this one verse uh, that I wanted to show. Paul actually writes this to the Romans. And uh, eventually he's heading to Rome. And he's talking about the Old Testament stories. But this is a good story for us. So let me read this one. Uh, read Romans 15, verse 4. Last verse of the day. Romans 15, verse 4. He says this. For whatever was written in the past. He's talking about the Old Testament scripture, the Jewish Bible. Whatever was written in the Old Testament. Whatever was written in the past. Was written for our instruction. So that we may have hope through what? endurance, and through the encouragement of the scriptures. Meaning, guys, he was just talking about the Old Testament, that there are story after story after story that is meant to encourage us in order to help us to endure despite the circumstances. Because you guys know what the story of the book of Acts is? Nothing but the story of a repeat of the whole book of the Old Testament. Where at the very, very beginning, it starts off, right? Here's the introduction. Already you got a problem, and now everything is just being unraveled, and you see all of these craziness. You got kings rising up, trying to destroy the Jewish people. You got this happen, you got that. You got the Jewish people, their own stubbornness and their own sin. And then the extra, I mean, there's so many things that have happened. But at the very beginning in Genesis, there was a promise that God gave to Eve at the very beginning. And it was the promise of the Messiah. And it happened at the, at the chapter, you know, whatever, three. It was at the very beginning of the book. And despite the thousands of years that happened from that prophecy in the, in the garden to Jesus being born around Christmas time, literally nothing deterred God's plan. 
And so we are able to look back at their stories in the Old Testament and see man, that they were able to endure into the end. Why? Because they put their, look at those who put their trust in Christ and look at what happened to those who didn't. And so those stories are meant to encourage us. And ironically, I know Paul was talking about the Old Testament, but we can apply those same words that Paul wrote to what we just read. That everything in the New Testament was also written in the past. And it was written for our instruction so that we can be encouraged in order to what? Endure. Encouraged to endure. The believers, call them believers, right? These apostles, they weren't encouraged and they did not endure those three days that Jesus was in the tomb. They were all huddled, depressed. They thought, well, I guess we got it wrong They're coming for us next. Our lives are over. Nobody believed. None of those people believed that Jesus was the Messiah, that he was going to rise from the dead. How do we know that? Because no one was at the tomb on Sunday counting down from 10, right, to see, oh, he he said he was going to be here. So guys, come on. I got your popcorn ready. I got my popcorn ready. John, you getting this? All right, let's go, right? Take a picture, right? No one was there, meaning they had no faith. And so we get to see all of these things and we get to look at what God did throughout the, Paul's life in the book of Acts to, to encourage us that even when life looks like there's a detour or there's a problem or there's difficulties, that when we trust in Christ, notice at the very end it said we had everything that we needed. Guys, when you put your trust in Christ, you have all, you always have all that you need. And it's not what you want and that's on you. Now, you, you, we want things and we need things. Those are two different things. Two different things. What you need is enough. And so we see this arcing, overarching story of, of this, and it gives us a great encouragement. And guys, again, we, we had, like I said a minute ago, I'm the messenger today giving you a prophetic word that will help you to be able to wear, number one, place your trust in what can you do now. Because a very interesting little symbolism that we see with, uh, with Paul. Guys, what did Paul do when he got bit by a snake? What, what did he do? Shook it off. Shook it off into the fire, right? Interesting that it was a viper, a venomous one, right? And so at the very beginning of the book, at the very beginning of this book, we have a viper, right? We have a snake. And that snake... With the hiss of its name, you know, the, its own hiss, lures Eve and Adam to rebel against God. And the promise, and look at the prophecy that God gives Eve. He says to Eve, Eve, you will have enmity, meaning you got beef. You're, there's going to be a seed, one person that will represent all of your descendants and the devil. There's going to be beef between them two. And he, your, your descendant, will crush his head, and he will bruise his heel. Meaning, all right, that the snake, whatever snake that would bite the foot in order to kill this individual actually secures its own death because in the fact that it is anchored to, you know, literally biting the ankle, that ankle now, that foot comes down and crushes the head because it's attached to it. And guys, I want you to know that happened on the cross when the devil finally sunk his fangs into Christ in order to kill him. Only for three days later, for God's foot to come down and boom, deliver the death blow to the devil and to death itself. And ever since then, I want you guys to know that that is the devil. The devil is a defeated foe. That is who he is. It has happened. But there's another prophecy that still has yet to happen. We have a snake at the beginning, and we also have a snake at the end. In Revelation Chapter 20, verse 10. John sees a vision of the future and says, And the devil, that great serpent, was cast into the lake of fire for all eternity. And so we see Jesus on the cross, bitten by that snake. And unlike Paul, who didn't die, he did die, but did the, the miracle, the unexpected, and came back to life and shook off death shook off death to the point that one day the devil is going to be shaken off into that lake of fire forever. That is what Jesus did. And because of that, that this this ought to give us again encourage and hope to know what is he and who is this guy. Because of the fact that he did that, guys, now you and I, if we put our trust in God, we can, listen, shake it off if we put and we rely on God. Guys, you and I can shake it off if we rely on God. And what is the it? I don't know. Fill in the blank. Let me ask you, what, what has bitten you? 
What has bitten you? Maybe it was, you know, maybe it's, is it sin? Is it darkness? Is, is, it, as a, is it as a habit? Are there things that have happened to you that, again, I was saying a minute ago, it's just hard to shake off, right? You can't shake this habit. You can't shake this thinking. You can't shake this emotion. But guys, I'm telling you, you were able to shake it off. Deal with it. You're able to deal with it when you put your rely on God. You're able to do that. Now, it's not perfect because, guys, what this, prom, this, this verse, let me just help you. This verse is not a promise that nothing ever bad will happen to you, right? Oh, that you'll, you'll never get sick and you'll never, I've heard this before, is that God has an assignment for your life and nothing bad is going to ever happen until that assignment is completed. Could be. Maybe. But here's the thing. Sometimes the assignment comes with pain. We don't know if Paul's hand still hurt. It might have. He got bit. You know, we just know he didn't die. This is not a verse that promises that nothing bad will ever happen to you. This is a verse that despite any bad that happens to you, that God will still do what he does. Despite it. And that ought to give us hope. When again, there's a certain things, like I told you a minute ago, there's a certain things that we just can't shake. There's a certain things that God has ordained that it will happen. And you just can't shake it off now. Yet. But that is why we need to be able to not only put our faith in God, but obey in our obedience. Because what was Paul doing? He shook it off and went back to work. He shook it off and kept serving. He shook it off and went that. And guys, I, I read this morning. This is, this is the time that I had. So I watched a whole documentary this morning too because I just was anxious to be here today. And it was a one on revival. And I love the way the, this person stated it. Revival is nothing but the normal acts of faith. Exaggerated. Accelerated. You just can't expect God to do something in your life when you don't want to even do the simple things. You follow me on that? But when you're loving, when you're serving, when you're praying, when you've got that rhythm going, God will do something in that. That's what we saw in Paul. It's the same thing, guys, that, that he can do with us. And so I want to ask you, again, that question, just whatever's bitten you, understand that there's certain things that you can shake off now. There's certain things that if you rely on who God is, there's guilt that you can shake off today. There's, there's things that you can do that, but there's things that you can't yet. Yet. And that's the good news. Because listen, remember, I, I wanted to show you the end of the story, right? At the end of the story, God wins. And you begin to, you begin to live differently when you know how it ends. You begin to think differently, feel differently, live differently when you know how things will end. And it is the same thing for us because, listen, our confidence as a Christian, and this is something that I want to be able to say out here because there's, there's very few things that you can look out to and be confident in. Can't be confident in politicians. Can't be even confident. As I, I love science, and I'm all for that, but we can't even be confident with that. You know, one day this is great. One day next study, no, the thing that we said is going to give you 10 years of life is going to rob you of 10 years. Wait a minute, oh my gosh. You know, like there's, it's, it's crazy, right? Like there's, there's where can you put your anchor in? Where can your confidence lie in? Well, our confidence as Christians is anchored in Christ, the dragon slayer. That is who he is. He is the dragon slayer. That is where our confidence lies. Because if the same way Jesus was able to cast off the sting of death like nothing, you and I, one day, you and I one day will be able to do the same thing. This is why I said the yet, because you and I, we have something dangling off of us. It's called the flesh. The flesh is something that the Bible says, it's that part of you. Let me say, it's that part of you that likes to do what's wrong. You celebrate doing what is wrong and you struggle, you know, you do and you know, it's all those things. The flesh in you is the very thing that is rebelling now, even right now with you wanting to even listen to God's word or put your trust. The flesh is everything in you. That is why you would be condemned forever. The flesh in you is everything that is wrong with the world. Everything that is wrong with the world. If God wanted to push the button and end everything bad in the world, you would go along with it because there's something in us. We still have the sting of the viper from our mama, all right, Eve, and, and we still dangles on us. It still affects us. But if we have the blood of Jesus running in our veins, and the, his word running in our veins, and that venom doesn't take its effect as the way that it could. The venom doesn't take its effect. And one day we will get to the point when either we face death or Jesus returns. 
when that devil gets cast off in the lake of fire, our, we're one day going to be able to fling the flesh off of us one day and be set free forever. And it was not because of us. It was because of what he's been doing all along. And it was a result of us putting our trust in him. And so, guys, what I want to encourage you today is, again, there's certain things that you carried in this morning. And if you're watching online, there's certain things that you have carried in, but you don't have to carry any longer because Jesus carried it all on the cross. In fact, uh, Jesus describes, the Bible describes people as sheep. Do you guys know that sheep can't carry things? Try to put any bag on a sheep and the sheep acts stupid. Because the sheep literally starts freaking out. Like, it just doesn't know what to do. Like, it's, you know, because, you know, ironically, sheep are not created to carry anything. Sheep are meant to be led. Sheep were made to be led. You, maybe there's a lot that you are carrying, and you're carrying too much. Because you're trying to do God's job for him. That's his job. Or you're just wanting things that he never said and promised. You, here's what you want, and he wants to give you what you need. Guys, you are meant to be led. And how beautiful it is that you and I can't carry anything. But yet Christ carried all of it on the cross. He carried our cross because we couldn't carry it. We couldn't. Yet he did. All we are meant to do is follow his lead. And so Peter says, cast all your cares on him. So guys, right now there's certain things you can't fling off the flesh. You can't do any of that stuff, but you know what you can do. There are things that you ought to not carry any longer, but cast. Cast all your cares. Cast all of your worries on Jesus. Now, let me tell you, that is not just a one-time fix. Guys, there's things that I'm carrying even today. There's things that I have to carry and cast off to Christ. I have to do it every day. Sometimes I have to do it multiple times in a day. And I know that it's going to be something that I'll have to cast every single day until, the, until my time is done. So there's certain things that you and I are called to do, but ultimately when you, when you cast your cares on him, it's because you trust that he cares for you. And I want you to know, as we see the story of Paul, we see one person. We see God's, God, his providence and his power on one person. That one person was not forgotten. He was not forgotten in jail. He was not forgotten in the storm. He was not forgotten on this remote island. And guys, I want you to know that no matter where you are, you are not forgotten. God sees you and God knows you. And when all he's asking is like we said at the very beginning of our service today, you put your trust in him and you find what you need. He is what you need.